Welcome. Uh, I'm very excited today to welcome uh, Dr. Jesse Ford, Assistant Professor at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Um, and um, Jesse uh, recently graduated and completed his dissertation entitled In the Trenches, Black Men in the Academy Navigating Racialized Encounters. Uh, really important work. Um, I have known Jesse uh, going on 10 years at this point um, since Jesse applied uh, as a graduate student to the University of South Carolina uh, for their master's program. Um, Jesse completed his undergraduate degree at Coastal Carolina University, um, and then he went to University of South Carolina. He was there for two years in the higher education master's program, working in the Office of Multicultural Affairs, which is where he and I and our pals converged, um, and we've remained uh, colleagues and, and friends since then, um, despite the fact that after he graduated from the University of South Carolina, he decided to go to the University of Miami, um, and that's just a little, a little joke because I went to Florida State and those are, you know, football rivals, uh, but, but no love was lost. In fact, he introduced me to another person from the University of Miami, who's a, a, to this day a very good friend of mine as well. Um, after being at the University of Miami for a few years, uh, he left to uh, correct previous errors and went to Florida State University, uh, where Jesse recently completed his PhD uh, in higher education. Uh, and finished his dissertation that I referenced earlier this past summer. He transitioned uh, to faculty, uh, higher ed faculty at UNCG. Uh, and I'm excited to host Jesse to talk today about networking and professional conferences. Uh, and the reason why I have Jesse, um, uh, or I asked Jesse to come and talk about this is that Jesse is the most networked person I know. Um, I was thinking about Jesse several uh, days ago, and I realized that so many relationships that I have are because of people that Jesse has known and connected me with. Um, and so upon um, Jesse graduating the University of South Carolina, he had kind of been a, um, he had been a mentor to a young woman um, who uh, he pretty much was like, Gavin, I need you to look out uh, for her when I'm gone. Um, and she became a mentee of mine for many, many years. After she graduated, she went on to Florida State herself, uh, completed her master's degree, and she now works in the St. Louis area in higher education student affairs. Uh, I also mentioned that Jesse introduced me to a, a former student. I think he was a student of yours. I'm not really entirely sure what that original relationship was, but he was a new professional at Carolina. I ended up being one of his uh, groomsmen. Um, and so Jesse is a... Um, uh, a real connector of people. Um, I, after Jesse graduated, I hadn't seen him in a while and I was really excited to reconnect with him at NASPA in Baltimore. And that would have been maybe 2013, 2014, mm -hmm. I'm thinking. Um, and Jesse knew everyone. Um, and so it was my first ever time going to NASPA and I, I was walking around and, and, and there's Jesse uh, just knowing everyone. Um, and so, um, in my mind, at least, Jesse is the person who um, is most likely to walk in a room of strangers and leave uh, with everyone uh, as a contact, um, if not a friend. Um, and so, Jesse is a, a true connector of people. Um, and I'm really excited to host him today uh, to talk and, and hopefully uh, learn uh, from him um, and also uh, ask him to share some of his uh, tried and true thoughts on authentic 
networking. I know that uh, Jesse is a, a, a very authentic person. Um, and so often networking uh, gets uh, that wrap of sort of this uh, inauthentic um, business card swapping. Um, so uh, this is Jesse. Jesse, did I miss anything on your bio? You are spot on. There are very few people that I have met that can do the job that you just did in terms of introductions. 10 years of experience. (laughs) I'm sitting back and I'm listening like, wow, that happened. Yeah, I worked there. Yeah, I kind of threw up the U for a little while. (laughs) Um, And and then I went to Florida State and graduated. No, you hit, you dotted every I and crossed every T in that bio. Thank you uh, for such the warm words. I was like, wow, blown away. Well, Jesse, my first question to you is, um, have you always been the, the confident individual who can go out and talk to anyone that I see you as today? <laughs> um, gosh, no. Um, I think back primarily to my undergraduate days as an undergraduate student, probably like many of the students in your class. I got to college, I was shy, nervous, trying to figure out my way and my path. Um, and I was recruited to be a tour guide. I didn't know anything about being a tour guide. I didn't know anything about speaking in front of crowds or groups or communities. Um, But I was literally walking one day and a young woman stopped and asked me, would I be interested? And I said, sure. How much does that pay? And she laughed and I laughed. Um, And from that point on, I started the role of the tour guide. And that's really what got me into speaking in front of crowds, in front of people, building a sense of confidence really came from that experience because for that time in those moments, you're thrown in front of a crowd and you're told to walk them around for an hour and a half, two hours and really try to sell them on the institution. And that's kind of been my approach to, to meeting new folks. Right. I think oftentimes folks think that they need like a speech or they need something they need to share or they need to be able to give someone something in terms of knowledge or skills in order to connect with someone. But my earliest days of connecting with folks really came down to, hello, my name is Jesse Ford. This is my undergrad institution. These are the things you need to know. I can't accept tips, but, um, and some of those, those random jokes that I kind of accumulated over time really helped me in navigating and building relationships. I think the other part of it is always being open and honest and then walking in with a smile. Sure. I think so many times when you're trying to connect with folks, if you're closed off, then they're going to see you as closed off. And that may not be the best method of establishing a relationship. So definitely not. To answer your question, I think it really came from just being thrown in situations. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking as you were talking um, about some of the initiatives that you came up that probably stemmed out of your uh, tour guide experience when you were a graduate student. I remember you put on a, an event um, called Thirsty Thursdays. Uh, during your time in OMSA, where you just stood out there with free Cokes and Sprites and Diet Cokes or whatever, um, and advertised for the different programs that our department had going on. That was sort of your brainchild that lasted for many years beyond um, you being there. Um, And so sort of that um, willingness to put yourself out there, even if it wasn't your comfort area, something that I've always seen you doing a whole lot um, and something I've I. Um, truly respect and admire out of you, Jesse. So talk to me about what was your first uh, professional uh, conference, be it national, international, regional? Mm -hmm. So my first conference was ACPA 2012 
in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I actually went there for their version of TPE. Um, ACPA calls it C3. And so I went for the job portion. It was myself and a number of my cohort mates. We hopped in a car and drove from Columbia, South Carolina to Louisville, Kentucky in the middle of the night. Um, it was probably, gosh, I think it was like five of us in a car. And we had to take just enough luggage so everybody's luggage would fit in the trunk. It was crazy and insane. So we get there and naturally we are all together. We don't meet new people. We don't break out of this group. We are together. We are here. The crazy thing about these experiences are everyone's nervous, right? So you're like trying to make sure that you have all your, your notes down, that when you actually meet and interact with folks, you know exactly what to say. And so I'm sitting there by myself at this point. I think most of the folks that I came with were doing interviews or may have went to lunch, but I'm sitting by myself and there's a number of students from Old Dominion University and they're all together. They're trying to remember notes and things. And I just looked and I was like, hello, my name is Jesse. And they kind of looked at me like, why is he speaking to us? <laughs> Oddly enough, and I'm like, I just interviewed. I'm real nervous. Uh, I don't think it went well. And they just started talking and sharing their stories and their experiences. And the crazy thing about that experience was those became my friends and I still talk to many of them today. Um, and it was really one of those moments of like just being vulnerable for two seconds. Hey, I just had an interview, it just went terrible. And at, after sharing that experience, they're like, oh, I'm interviewing their next. And I was like, well, this is what you don't wanna say. And so <laughs> um, those initial interactions of meeting them and then the conference environment itself right and so you leave the small job portion and you're essentially become a very small fish in a really large pond of people how do you meet people how do you interact with people in these spaces and what does that look like at a conference um mind-blowing to be at the time 22 at a conference of what 14 15,000 people i think maybe the size of acpa or i'm exaggerating I honestly, I don't know. I know it's big. Um, Massive. Yeah. I mean, you know, even when you're talking upwards of 3,000 people, um, it's, that's still a lot of people. Uh, and so when you think about, you know, uh, you know, we're used to being in small groups of, you know, between five and 25 um, and you get put into a space. I mean, think about for the students, the difference in uh, your courses here as a CSPA student who are, you know, generally between 14 and 25 students versus maybe some of the large lectures you may have had as an undergrad student, right? And so when I was at Florida State as an undergrad, they had a, a class that was notoriously called Baby Bio that in the fall semester was 1,500 students. It might be bigger now, um, or maybe they don't do that anymore, but yeah, that was a class of 1500 students. And so, you know, the difference between the sort of connections you can make. Um, yeah. Um, do you still do that when you go to conferences? Do you just walk up to people and start a conversation? I do. Um, you mentioned a word earlier that I use all the time when I'm speaking with new students or I'm speaking with new colleagues. I use the word connector a lot. Um, I never really consider myself a connector. Um, but I often tell folks that and it's crazy that you're laughing at me, but I think it's, you know, I don't see what you see. Sure. Um, absolutely. I understand. Um, but oftentimes when I'm, I'm in these spaces and I know certain folks at this point, and those are like my connectors, right? Those are the folks that I reach out to if I don't know this person and I want to meet them. 
then I'm like, hey, didn't you used to work at this institution? Doesn't this person work there? Or doesn't this person teach there? How do I connect or build a relationship with? Um, and even when there are conferences where I don't know anyone, and I'll give a prime example. Um, maybe, gosh, three years ago, I went to a conference that solely focused on research that pertains to Black men. I didn't know anyone in the space. I was a new graduate student, didn't know anyone that really studied Black men, just knew it was a topic that I was interested in. Um, and so I'm new in the space, but I'm my, very much the person that has like random questions that sometimes yield good results. So I was getting coffee in line and there were like three gentlemen talking in front of the sugar, right? And so I'm like, I really want some sugar and I really want to go sit back down, but I don't know these guys. And they're probably just, you know, you have those thoughts of they don't want me interrupting. They're having a very deep conversation. And so I'm like, hey, sorry to interrupt. Can I grab some sugar? And they're like, sure. So I like slide over, grab my sugar, and I'm listening to them talk, of course. And they're talking about mentoring. And I'm like, this is a really cool topic. I kind of want to join in. But again, I don't know them. And so I ask a question. And it, by and large, was completely innocent. Like, I just really want to know more about their conversation. One of these gentlemen has turned into a really great mentor of mine. And two of them are just random people that I, I see at conferences. And we say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? What institution are you at now? But it becomes those awkward, not sure if I can interrupt. Can I interrupt? Can I ask a question and follow up? That really build those relationships. And so I do a lot of that. Sometimes I may know who a person is and they don't know me, right? And so you have like those people that you read their stuff in class or you know they're a vice president here and you want to work there. Walk up and say hi. And that may seem like that may not be the thing to do or you may be nervous, but I guarantee you they were once nervous too. Um, especially as they have moved on in their career. So you may be thinking about a vice president and you may want to work there. Great. Go say hi. And if it's not that person, maybe they're a graduate student at the institution you want to work for. You never know where these connections can build or move your own professional growth and development beyond just the spaces that you're in. So yes, to answer your question, I definitely still do it. I do it quite frequently. Um, and as I've gotten older, this is going to sound horrible because I'm realizing I've been in the field for 10 years now. It keeps me younger <laughs> or, or current, I think, in some cases. Um, I love talking to graduate students because they are still very much trying to figure out what their niche is in student affairs. Like, do I want to do housing? Do I want to do multicultural affairs? Am I thinking Greek life? Because those are where the best ideas are still, right? I've heard this about housing. Is it true? Well, I can't tell you personally, but I can introduce you to this person who is. And so going back to that idea of connectors, right? Sometimes it may not be that the person you're talking to has the pieces or the components to answer your questions, but reaching and connecting with other folks that can kind of do some of that legwork for you. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, for me, it's kind of a, a function of, it's, that is, uh, classes is, class is a microcosm of that, right? And so thinking about when we do group projects in class, it, for me, it's because it's bringing the, the brilliance and geniuses of multiple people together where they can then learn from one another and grow from one another and it makes the final product um, more rich um, and, and more have more depth and meaning. Um, and so we, as people, uh, you know, need one another in order to 
help one another. Um, and so I think that speaks to that. Jesse, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Um, you ready? Uh, so, so. I, you know, I was asking about that, still going up to talk to people. Has that ever backfired? Absolutely. What does that look Absolutely. like? Um, gosh. So I, I can give you a real life scenario and example. Sure. Um, I was maybe second, third year at University of Miami. So I was a third year professional. I'm thinking about graduate school. I'm thinking about going back to get an advanced degree. I'm at this conference. I think I was at Incor, if I'm not mistaken. And it's, uh, the National Conference on Race and Ethnicity. Yes, I should have wrote down an acronym. I apologize. No I'm there, and there's this really well-known scholar that does research on Blackness. I really wanted to meet him. I've seen him speak. I was very impressed with how, how he showed up in space in their communities. Um, so I walked up, and I'm like, hey, you don't know me. I want to apply to your program. Uh, I think what you're doing is great. It's phenomenal. And... He looked at me and smiled and said, okay, great, and just kind of walked away. And so I hold that experience because it was that moment of, I never want to do anyone like that again or want to be done like that again, especially when it took every nerve in my being just to walk up sure. and, to, and to have that moment. Um, leaning into that a little bit more though and diving a little deeper into your question, I think when you think about the concept of networking, think about it from the landscape, or this is how I see it, almost as an ecosystem, right? Like every part builds on the other. And so even though I didn't connect with him, I connected with other folks that were at the institution. And I didn't end up going to that institution, but it was a space for me to build other relationships with other people that were around that scholar. And so another person heard me talking as I was so excited to just meet and share some of my stuff and what I was thinking. So I was like, hey, they have a program at this institution. And you should really think about it. And that led to lunch. Randomly in the middle of the conference, we skipped sessions, don't do that, um, and went to lunch. And it was great. Didn't end up going to the institution, but built a really, really great and solid relationship just from someone hearing my excitement and then that immediate letdown and rejection. So, absolutely. I would contradict and say that I think building a relationship sometimes is totally worth skipping a session for. Um, so, fair enough. Um, I've skipped my fair share. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, when you got uh, rebuffed, maybe, is uh, from that scholar. How did you deal with that? Like you talked about the, it took everything to go up and then surely like getting like, oh, that's nice to smile and walk away. Wasn't probably a positive, wasn't what you were looking for, right? Um, and, and so like, how did you kind of deal with that? You know, it, it's crazy that you asked me that question because I, I don't know if I actually really thought about it until you framed it the way that you did. I think especially thinking about my younger years when I was still trying to figure out who I was as a practitioner, as a scholar, as a student affairs administrator, I was spent a lot of time talking things out loud. Mm -hmm. And so I have moments where I, maybe this is what I shouldn't have said. Maybe this is what I should have said, which I don't recommend that you necessarily do, but it introduced me to journaling. And so I have a journal, several journals now, because I've written and kept and maintained them, but I'll write at the top of the journal, kind of the scenario of what happened, and I lay out what happened. 
And so it's always a reminder for me to go back and read as I'm having different experiences to kind of process what happened for one, but also think about what I would do differently or how I would change the interaction. And so I can't tell you that I necessarily ever got over it because it is something that I remember sure. that particular scholar when I see them, when I hear them speak, but it gives me a new frame of reference for how I interact with other folks, right? And I think part of it is going back to when you, you mentioned that I'm open and very much like, really great at building relationships with people because I know what it's like to be that person and so really trying to not repeat that cycle and be that person yeah yeah that's really beautiful uh, I think that's that's really that's really honorable and really really something special and, um, yeah um, so what conferences did you partake in as a uh, budding professional you talked about ACPA already uh, what other conference um, uh, opportunities uh, should students be on the lookout for? So I did three big ones. Um, NASPA, which I mentioned. I did NCORE and I did ACPA. The three, I think NASPA and APA are the big student affairs conferences. And then NCORE is specific to race, um, race, a little bit of gender, ethnic backgrounds, culture. Um, so those are my primary spaces, prim my primary spaces. Um, in addition to that, I did a lot of smaller conferences. Um, when I first moved to Florida, there's a NASPA Florida. So I went to that every year. Um, while I was at South Carolina, we had FYE, the first year experience conference. Um, I looked for conferences that are smaller institutions. And honestly, when I think about my network overall, a large part of my network building happened at these smaller conferences. Um, where there's 50, 100 folks, everybody there is pretty much doing a session and you're meeting the session folks as they're doing your session, they're doing theirs. Um, you see everybody repeatedly over and over and over again. And so those smaller conferences were probably the biggest part of me being able to build a network. Because when you think about it, you're going to a smaller conference at this institution, there's 50 people there out of those 50 10 of them may actually work at the institution, but the other 40 or 50 don't. And so that's an opportunity to really build connections with folks. Um, so anything locally, anything that we could drive to as master students, we did that. And then in those first years as a professional, I did the larger conferences, but I was also really intentional about, I don't have any more professional development funds left as a new professional, but where can I drive for like a Saturday afternoon and do something? Yeah. I think the other piece of that is, and it goes back to trying to build networks and communities, I'm quick to just email folks, hey, I know that you're a director of this office. I think that may be something I want to do next. Do you have time for lunch or a phone chat or something or coffee? It's very much the same way I build relationships with students. I build them with professionals as well. So really just goes back to time and energy. Yeah, when it, I think that's something, I don't, I don't know if you do this, Jesse, uh, something that I have been instructed to do is to look through sort of the, the conference schedule before going and seeing who's going. Uh, who's at the school that you might be interested in or um, if there's a mutual connection. Um, so uh, see, or if looking through the presentations, if there's a presentation that's really interesting, um, you know, emailing that person. So you see a presentation on X, Y, and Z presented by so-and-so, emailing so-and-so beforehand and saying like that you're interested in going to their presentation and look forward to meeting them. Um, and then maybe introducing yourself afterwards or asking 
if they might have time to further connect. And they might not. You might, you might get a rebuff like you did that Jesse talked a little bit about. Or it might just be like, hey, listen, I'm actually hopping on a flight right now to head back because I got to go back early. I don't have the opportunity to, but, you know, we can connect later. Um, so my question, I guess, sort of is now that NASPA has at least made the uh, announcement, as has, as has ASH and a number of other conferences, I'm not sure if ACPA has made a call or not uh, as of now. Um, but we're still are, waiting. Yeah, are all have moved their conferences virtually this year uh, due to the pandemic. And so there won't be that going to a physical session and being face-to-face. -face. It's gonna be more akin to this or who knows really what it's gonna look like yet. Um, what um, pieces of advice or thoughts do you have on uh, building relationships uh, in a virtual setting? I think you just hit, you just hit it on the head, man. Like, um, as I was listening to you talking, I was like, I do everything that you just said, <laughs> um, especially when it comes down to emailing folks before sessions, figuring out, what's being offered to ask more questions uh, i'm really good with follow-up questions that is something something that has been critical for me um especially if i sit in your session i don't quite know what you're talking about or if i need more clarification i'm quick to send an email and i know we're in a digital space um and we have folks that go to conferences and they collect business cards and i'll i'm going to speak on that really quickly because i think that's so critical we collect business cards and we take them back to our institution we're sitting in our office and we put them in the drawer and we close the drawer and it's two years later and the business cards are still there and you don't even know a where you got the business card from or b if you ever even contacted the person so i'm very 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 particular about business cards if i get your business card i'm going to contact you i can write i write down on every business card exactly where i met the individual so if i met you at ash 2021 i'm just going to put that out there I'm gonna write down where I met you, the session, or maybe I met you online getting coffee. And then I circle like time of day or specifically your email or your phone number if you tell me the best way to contact you. And I might not have anything to say. I might be like, hey, I met you, just wanted to build a connection or just wanted to let you know that I received your business card and I thought something you said was really cool or really awesome. If I'm really good, I can remember something they said or a quote that they said in there. And you'd be surprised at the amount of folks that will write you back just because you wrote them to say, hey, I really enjoyed your session. I think we take it for granted because we're going to these sessions, we see this person that may be like a director or an assistant director and we're a graduate student and we don't quite know what to do or how to engage. But it says something when someone is interested in your work, um, especially if you don't think your topic is quite where it needs to be yet and you're still developing it and someone walks up and is like, hey, I think this is really cool. That is an opportunity to ask all the questions about why you think it's cool and to help me build my work or potential collaboration for you to join in on the work. Um, so just talking about business cards in that sense before I hit the, the digital space, I think it's so critical to think about the importance of business cards. Um, digital space, the exact same way. Like I'm going to be doing all the emailing. I'm going to look through the proposal guides. I think something else that's really easy is I have friends now that do these Zoom conversations and it's literally just think tanks, right? Mm -hmm. I have no idea about Black men in therapy. That is not my area. I tend, to, I tend to stick to socialization, but I met a young man at a small conference in Tampa, Florida. I can't even remember the name of the conference. But I met him and I was like, hey, 
I think what you're doing is really cool. This is not my area, but I want to know more about it. He's like, hey, can we Zoom? Sure. I think this is right before Zooming became like the thing. Right. And so now we have like a standard Zoom meeting once every two months almost. And so we chat about his research and how it kind of intersects. We haven't done anything collaboratively yet, but it allows us to keep this connection going, even though he's in Tampa and I'm now in North Carolina. And so never take for granted the fact that just because I may be busy at the moment, I may not be able to send you an email right now, but hey, do you have some time to maybe have coffee virtually? There is such power in this type of interaction. Yeah, I would, I would agree that I think, I, not to say that nothing is going to be lost, right? Um, you know, um, there's certainly something about going to a conference and going to a social, reconnecting with old people. Um, and even like if we had four people in this conversation, it changes the dynamics. Whereas in like in person, you can have like a little sidebar conversation over here while you and Marcy are over here talking. Marcy was uh, just as co-GA back in the day. Um, right. And so we can all like have little sidebars, which is harder on Zoom. Right. So something is absolutely lost. But there's also sort of a I feel like a, a democratizing um, way of having a conversation. Um, you know, most folks use a platform like this now and are comfortable with it and you can do it and you can set it aside. And, and, and now that this exists, you don't have to correspond via written letters like you may have had to back in the 80s. Uh, when you're trying to build relationships with folks. And so there's a new way of connecting that I think is powerful and, and our students are uh, are good at that. One of the things I want to highlight as we were, as you were talking, Jesse, um, kind of connecting that sort of business card idea, which is so important, which I was better at um, with the virtual space, right? And so one of the things I use a lot and I, I encourage my students to use is OneNote. Um, and so I have a notebook specifically for conferences and tabs for different conferences. And so I'll go in and I'll take notes on each session. Uh, you can also use that to then like take pictures of like people's business cards, put them right in there, write the notes there. And so if it's a virtual space, you're already on your computer. You can have, you know, maybe you have, most people, a lot of people might have two monitors, right? You have watching it on one and taking notes on the other, or maybe you have a tablet you can type on, or there's lots of different ways that you can still be engaged uh, and do that. And you might be able, you may be able to actually take more robust notes um, about someone and the experiences you've had and following up. Um, and you could potentially send a message during a session, perhaps, um, about someone's session. Um, and so it might, enable uh, folks to participate in ways they couldn't have before. And there's also the reality of some folks don't like to speak up in public, right? And so asking a question at a conference presentation can be really intimidating for folks. Um, but if you're using a chat function in something like Zoom, that might change how folks feel. You might still have that intimidation factor, but it changes it a little bit. So it might be a, a different way for folks to um, step on the stage and, and engage. I think in addition to that, not, not to cut you off, but to think about how, so everybody's not going to write you back. And I think that is, that is the hard part of this, right? Like I really want to build this connection and this person didn't write me back. And it could just be that they have a thousand emails coming in a week or a month. Right. And so how do I still formulate this relationship? And it may not be with that person and being okay with that. 
And I, I want to put that out there too, because I think I, I made it sound really easy. And I will be honest with you, I don't always get a response back. There are folks that I write and I email and I never hear anything from them. And then I meet them at a conference and I say hi and they're friendly and they open, but they may have never looked at my message. And so don't hold on to the, they didn't respond to me or they didn't take time to get to know me or it could have just been that they're busy, right? And so understanding that folks have a million things going on, even in virtual spaces that they may not always catch what they need to catch in terms of building connections, so. And they may also, they might see you and feel an element of shame. Uh, Very true. And, and, and this is talk from my own experience. I was at a conference my first year at ISU and I connected with a young scholar and they emailed me about collaborating uh, on a project and I wish I had responded because um, it was something I was excited about. It could have been really rad or really, really cool. And it got lost to the point where like, I forgot about it for six or eight months. And I was like, at this point, I, I feel like I can't respond to this uh, person anymore. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I, I, today I still could, right? I, maybe I could find their message and be like, hey, it's been three years. I'm real sorry, right? Like, um, and so, you know, that's speaking from my own truth of like, sometimes I, I've gotten that and they followed up with me and I never responded, not because I didn't want to, but just because it got buried. Um, you know, I was out of, you were out of town for a long time. You come back and things build up. And so things happen. Um, and so it might not necessarily be, um, it might not be someone intentionally putting you off, but it might just be they forgot. Um, and when they see you, they might actually feel bad. Um, so keep that in mind. And something I, I think is hard to remember um, is that everyone puts, you know, puts their glasses on the same way. Everyone puts their watch on the same way. Everyone puts their pants on the same way. Everyone puts something on, you know, like I don't, not everyone wears pants or glasses or, but you know, kind of the, the mentality of that, right? Like everyone is human. Uh, there's a, a quote that I like, um, I think it's James Lawson, who is an Irish labor activist, who says, um, the great appear great because we're on our knees, let us rise. And there's lots of ways to think about that quote, but one of them is predominantly like, don't put anyone on a pedestal, right? Like everyone can be talked to. And if, mm -hmm. if they don't want to talk to you, that's their loss, right? Like, like, is that someone you want to be, you want in your life anyways? You know, kind of how Jesse, uh, so wonderfully said is like, I don't want to be that person to put someone off, right? Jesse's a, a warm, a wonderful human that everyone should want to get to know um, and wouldn't put people off. If they're the type of person that's going to put you off, you're probably not going to want to have a relationship with them anyways. Um, or, or they just don't have the capacity or spoons to have that relationship right now. And that has, should be remarked and noted upon because it's a weird time. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, um, it, it's often a weird time, but particularly right now. And so knowing that it might not be the right time. And so know that you could try again next year. Um, you know, maybe you see, you see Dr. Ford, um, at a conference and you go up to him and you're like, Hey, I heard you speak in, uh, Gavin's class for practicum about networking. And Jesse just like had a fight with someone or, um, some, you know, just got a, a journal article rejected and Jesse's just in a bad spot. And he's like, oh, cool. 
and like puts you off. It might not necessarily be that Jesse doesn't want to have that relationship or anyone. I'm using Jesse as an example, um, but that Jesse might not be in the space to engage authentically right now. Um, and so keep that in mind as well is that we are all human um, and we all don't present our best selves all the time as much as we may want to. Jesse, what are your final thoughts on conferencing, networking, building your professional um, um, cadre? Um, I think the last thing I would say, and this is for our, our students that are a little shy or may not be the best at, you know, being bubbly and open, because as I mentioned before, I was that person too at one point. Social media has a lot of pluses in this area especially if you're at a conference and you're, you see some folks using a hashtag, like hashtag mm, NASPA 2021, for example. There is a chain of folks that are using the exact same hashtag. And you may not feel comfortable engaging with a particular person or a particular group or entity, entity but they're probably following the hashtag too. And so maybe, so I've seen folks like, hey, looking to have lunch with someone, question mark, hashtag NASPA20. That happens, right? And so you don't know folks. Folks are at the same conference. They're in the same spaces. And everyone has to eat. And so maybe you're not looking for anybody in particular. Maybe you're just trying to build some relationships. And I'm pretty sure that same thing is going to happen in these digital spaces. I'm not sure how it's going to look in the digital space. But there are going to be folks that will be chatting about sessions, that will be trying to build networks and try to have conversations about something they just learned or something they just saw. So use social media as an outlet for building relationships and building connections with folks, especially if you're not the most outgoing person. Actually, I'm pretty sure that social media will probably be the best method given where we are in terms of the world and the environment that we're currently occupying. I think the other piece that I would, I would probably like uh, make sure that I throw out there before I, I let you all go is, if you see me walk up and speak, um, tell me how I met you. And I know this is a, a video recording that you all will see later, but tell me like, Hey, I listened to this video recording. Um, I don't really know you, but can I get to know you? Or maybe you don't want to get to know. Maybe you just want to say hi, say hi. Um, I'll do most of the legwork from there. If you say hi and speak to me, I promise I will talk you to death. Um, so feel free to walk up to me, to send me a message. Um, feel free to, to send my email, my Twitter information, and I'm more than happy to connect. I think this is a critical part in your, your journey as young practitioners and a critical part in mine as I'm getting to meet some awesome folks. So feel free to reach out and build connections. I'm happy to do so. Something that, um, as you were speaking, Jesse, um, that I thought a lot about is the other ways that folks build and make connections um, through um, knowledge communities at NASPA um, or special interest groups or all sorts of different like sub communities within the larger communities. And so um, are you engaged with any of those? So crazy enough, I actually just stepped away. So while I was in Florida, I was um, over the knowledge community for social economic status for the state of Florida. And that was something small, right? Like I was like, Hey, we're looking for folks to do this. And I was like, I don't know anybody, but sure, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and I met so many folks from just sending me emails about, this is a cool article that I think you should send out to everyone. Or this is something, this is a great way for us to like talk about this on a larger platform. We had a couple of Twitter chats just randomly, and it would literally be folks reaching out just because they want to talk about these issues. 
and I was the point person. So volunteering at conferences, I know we're not in person for 2021, but I have friends that solely volunteer at conferences so they can meet folks, right? And it's like, hey, let me give you your name badge, let me give you your program booklet, on to the next person. But it builds those relationships in ways that you wouldn't actually have to do a lot of the legwork. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then uh, at traditional conferences for when we get back to that space, there's also um, the socials, right? So ISU has a social, University of South Carolina has a social, Florida State would have a social. Uh, major schools, often if a school has a higher ed program, they're going to have a social, not always, but usually. Um, there are also some conferences that will have reunions at NASPER ACPA. Uh, fraternities and sororities often mm -hmm. uh, will have uh, folks wearing a badge or some sort of identifier so they know like, oh, that person's in the same organization as I am. Um, so there's lots of ways um, that um, conference conveners attempt to make what is an awkward situation less awkward, particularly for the folks who haven't been there before. Um, so I hope that this conversation between uh, Jesse and I helps uh, for those of you who are um, venturing out into your first conference. We didn't even get around to talking about sort of the presenting uh, your own uh, work at conferences, which is also vastly important. We've talked about that in other classes. Um, but um, yeah, I want to say thank you so much uh, to our special guest, Dr. Jesse Ford, Assistant Professor of Higher Education at the University of North Carolina, Greensboro. Um, I wish you well. Thank you for everything. Um, if students uh, want to reach out to you, how can they get a hold of you, Jesse? Sure. My email address is really easy. Um, it's my first name, so J-E-S-S-E, -S -S -E, period, last name, F-O-R-D, at uncg.edu. I'm also on Twitter. Um, gosh, what's my Twitter handle? This is terrible. You know, you use it, <laughs> but you don't think about it. Um, and I actually do tweet. That's terrible. Um, it's my first name, Jesse. So at Jesse, at my last name, Ford, and the letter J. So Jesse Ford J. Um, email, Twitter are probably the best ways to, to connect with me. Feel free to write me or tweet me. I'm in both spaces. So, Well, as always, Jesse, thank you for your wisdom. Um, I sincerely appreciate it. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll talk with you soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you.